Do you... How often do you find yourself just eating honey by itself? Eating honey? Yeah. Never. Really? Ever? Never. No. Like, not even if it's like... The last time I can remember eating honey by itself was uh, my old job in California when I was the grocery buyer for that organic food store. We did a whole day of honey tasting. That sounds like paradise. Yeah, we had honey from all around the world, from all the different types of bees that that make the honey from different types of pollen. So they all taste a lot. Whole, like they're all pretty different. Really? Yeah. I mean, they're all like honey, but there's all sorts of like all the other little notes and flavors and stuff that you can get out of them. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So that's cool, but I, I just don't eat just I just don't eat honey. Like I'm not like mm, a spoonful of honey. <laughs> I I've kind of been like that lately because I. I got con flu after San Diego, uh, yeah. so I was just in a funk for a few days, taking NyQuil and drinking tea, uh, and I have like this this raw, unfiltered honey, 100% pure local SoCal, the good stuff, uh, and so I was like pouring that into my tea, and I just kind of like had this honey sitting next to my bed, so I just kind of started like pouring some into my mouth, <laughs> and I'm getting like kind of addicted to honey. Yeah, well, it's it's sugar, man. That's your uh, you're already you're already uh, you're already like ninety five percent hummingbird. And I might as well just <laughs> keep going down that path with honey. Do you think I'm going to develop diabetes? I feel like I might become a diabetic at some point. I mean, you're still young and somewhat fit and active, so I think that you'd probably be okay there. But I think if you if you dropped your like if you dropped doing anything active and just like kept kept at the level you were going with how much sugar you're shoving into yourself yeah maybe i get worried about that sometimes i need to like run more or something like that you know who else needs to run more though the savage land Welcome back to the Savage Land. I'm Jason. I'm Matthew. And <laughs> why did I do? Why did I do it like that? <laughs> that was like it was like borderline Eeyore. <laughs> I, 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 I think on the past four or five episodes, when I've introduced myself, I've done it all stupid and weird. <laughs> So you know why? Because it's because I have a I have a monosyllabic name, and it and it and I and I just I th- for some reason in my head it sounds boring when I'm just like I'm Matt. <laughs> See, but that's exciting. It's got a lot of pop. It's got a lot of zest. I'm Matt. I'm Matt. Yeah, it's just like a it's no. like a pa ja. You know, it probably sound better if I added that second T on the Matt. Maybe it would sound better if it was like I'm Matt. Yeah, I think if you had the second T, uh, you'd really you'd really capitalize a lot more on that airtime. Cool. Okay. <laughs> um, today we're uh, we're we're talking more news. I know we're we're breaking character two weeks in a row. Uh, we we normally don't talk about news, but it's 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 the season for the, the news he- news. <laughs> <laughs> that rhymes. Uh, so today today we're going to be covering the uh, the comic book related news out of San Diego Comic Con. And don't worry if you're like, ah, I don't read those comics. I just watch the comic book movies and listen to a comic book podcast for some reason. Uh, well, it'll it'll all be accessible. Uh, 
Am I right, Matt? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, But today's episode is brought to you by Comic Bento. Matt, do you know what Comic Bento is? Um, When I go to Japanese places and I'm like, that looks good on the menu, so does that and so does that, but I don't want to spend $45 on some chicken and some sushi and some miso. It gets expensive. Gyoza. Yeah, that's expensive. But then I find in the back of the menu, usually they have a little bento box. Whoa. And and you know what? There you go. That you get a, you get all those We're items. We're gonna send you Japanese food. We're gonna send you Japanese food in an unrefrigerated truck. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best kind of food to have unrefrigerated is Japanese food, which usually consists of a lot of raw fish. <laughs> uh, comic bento, like Matt said, it's a it's a great little combination pack of uh, of all your favorite things. Uh, Wait, so I, so I actually here's something I don't know about comic bento that I can use as a question <laughs> to further enlighten myself and the listeners. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is genuine; too. I'm not making it up. Is it? Uh, it's a monthly comic box. Is yep. it? Is it? Are they all recent issues, or are they just like whatever from whenever? So they're not even issues, actually. Uh, it is trade paperbacks, full collected volumes, full story arcs, uh, and it is. Oh, oh wait, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. And oh, that's it is super cool. Whatever from whenever. Uh, so it's and it's it's Marvel titles. You you read some Marvel, don't you, Matt? You read a little Marvel. One or two. One or two Marvels. One or two. Yeah, yeah, you got you got one at least one Marvel there. Uh, yeah. They send you stuff from DC Comics, from Dark Horse. I've read one or two. I've I've read one one or two DCs as well. Yeah, I've had a DC before. Uh, yeah. They send you Dark Horse Comics. You know, Black Hammer. Rachel's all about that Dark Horse. That's right. Uh, I I hear there's some some Hellboys there. Um, yeah. Image some Comics, BPRD. some some Bupard, Bupard, Image Comics, home of uh, Savage Dragon, everybody's favorite Savage Dragon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing else, <laughs> nothing else, just, just Savage, just Savage Dragon, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as well as Archie, Valiant, Titan, Oni, Dynamite, IDW, Xenoscope, everybody. Uh, so the, the way Comic Bento works is every month uh, you can get uh, a box full of trade paperbacks from any of those random uh, publishers. Uh, and if you use our promo code SAVAGE, you will save $5 on your first box. Uh, so that means your first month, for $20, uh, you can get $50 worth of comic books. That's less than half. That's, that is. It's math, you know what I mean? I mean, 20 bucks... So it, Especially so what do you get like you get like four or five per box. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 usually around four, four or five. Um, and the uh, the theme. Oh, it's we don't know the theme yet for this month. That's OK. Um, but yeah, uh, so f- basically like I mean, shit for for a Marvel or DC trade these days, it's what, 17 bucks for every trade. Yeah, yeah, give or take. Yeah, if you're thinking of getting a volume of Spider-Man this month, or or Batman, or or anything like that, for three dollars more, you can get pr- maybe that and another three more comics. And it's a gamble, and it exposes you to new comics, like we always love doing. We like exposing you. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, uh, like I said. You can go to comicbento.com or you can use the link in the show notes or on our website uh, and just enter the promo code SAVAGE uh, at checkout and that will save you $5. Again, your first month's box will just be $20 um, and you can get some nice new comics sent right to your door. Comic Bento, promo code SAVAGE. Matt, should we catch them up? 
Should we give them some Ket- ketchup? Pour it all over their yeah, faces. Pour, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna let you go first. You let me go first. Yeah. What you been? What you been up to the last couple weeks? What you been reading? What you been watching? You know, I haven't been reading much, but I have been watching some films. I watched a whole bunch of them. I don't think we talked about War for the Planet of the Apes yet. Oh, Wift Pota. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> how oh was boy. how was the war? Be, is that going to be the theme for tonight? It might be. Uh, what's what's how was how was the war? Uh, well, you know the war's not going too great. It's real rough down there in Ape City. Uh, we we got we got reporter reporter uh, Jerry Mandrell uh, on site. He's going to tell us what it's all about. I'm not going to follow that skit all the way through. <laughs> I was really <laughs> hoping you would. <laughs> no, no. I, my 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 uh, my improv skills only go so far, <laughs> and that usually is set up a scene and then flail around. Yes, um, and <laughs> yes, and I'm uh, man. Here's I'm Jerry down at the ape war, and uh, <laughs> I knew I could get him to do it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, right. um, yeah. Just say yes, and then I have to do it. <laughs> Um, no, I thought it was great. I, you saw it too. So I, I mean, I th- I thought it was great. I, I really I, I've, there, I have an affinity with those movies. I think it's just because it, they're apes, and I like apes. I guess, dude, apes, apes, apes and babes. Am I right? Apes grape. <laughs> I uh, yes, I saw it too. <laughs> yes, and I didn't. I didn't see it actually. I that's oh like, you haven't oh you haven't seen it. It's the oh, one shit. movie okay. I like haven't seen. But y- you can oh, okay. you can feel free to spoil it. Everyone's seen it. No, I'm not going to spoil it. I, 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 I got plenty more movies to talk about. So uh, <laughs> all I'll say about it is, it's, it is. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it, it, I think it's got the best special effects I've ever seen in a movie. Holy shit! It's yeah. I would I would say there are, it's it's there's few moments where I thought to myself that looks like CG, and there were a whole lot of moments where I can't believe that's where I thought I can't believe that's CG because it does not look like CG. It looks real. Is there? Is it like uh, uh, what was the last one? Dawn. Is it like Dawn, where like the first half hour of the movie is all sign language? Uh, yeah, there's a good chunk of sign language. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, but I, I, again, that's another thing I really appreciate about those movies is because it's like, of course they would talk in sign language because they already a lot of apes already had that already have sign language mm-hmm. uh, because we've taught them sign language. Yeah, um, and then you know. And then, well, I can't remember the name of the the ape flu or whatever. Whatever's turning them smart would would then, over time, slowly start to give them the ability to speak. But yeah, I I, I think the sign language aspect of that movie is part of what makes that movie so good. Huh? I need yeah. to I need to rewatch Dawn before I go to see uh, War because I actually I there's like this T-Mobile Tuesday thing where it was like four dollars for any ticket to Planet of the Apes, and I was like, that's really cool, but like. Also, I can't remember what happened in the last movie. You know, you don't need to know. God damn it. It's I wish not, I had taken it up now. Yeah, it's not that important. I mean, uh, they, and they kind of they kind of do like a brief, like, this is what happened last time at the beginning of the movie. Huh. Well, god damn it. That should have gone and yeah, seen cause, it. Because this takes place like 10 years after that, Don. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so. Uh, I guess every movie is someone's you, first, you know? Every movie, what? Every movie is oh, someone's oh, yeah, first, yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, they kind of yeah, they yeah. kind of build it in for new audiences. You know what? 
that it raises a fun question. What sequel is unwatchable without watching the first one? Ooh, that is a fun question. We should we should explore that on an episode cuz well, I'm going to I'm going to pose that to the listeners. Give us a uh give us a shout out on Facebook, Instagram, wherever email or or, or, or email us at letters at uh, savagelandpodcast.com. What sequel is unwatchable having not seen the original? Let's say let's say for uh, for mediums to reach out for that either Twitter at Savage Land Pod or uh, email us letters at savagelandpodcast dot com. Okay, uh, the only one that can that pops into my head would be uh, the Two Towers. Mm. I that's feel like, I feel like I feel like jumping into the Two Towers would have been pretty hard. Yeah, uh, that's pretty. I, and I also I also think the last Harry Potter movie, the eighth movie, probably pretty tough. <laughs> okay. But sequel, not eighth movie in a series. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any eighth movie in a series is going to be pretty hard to follow. <laughs> That's true. Um, no, I, I think Iron Man 2 is unwatchable without Iron Man, because it's like, what's this robot suit? Where did he come from? How did how does he have that? Oh, I disagree. I think he could watch Iron Man 2 and get away with it just fine. You think he'd understand that he's wearing a robot suit? I think everyone would think he's a robot. No, they'd figure it out pretty quick. Oh, okay considering he like steps into the suit in the movie well yeah but it's like that could be anybody <laughs> it's no <come> on. <laughs> um so 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 war for the planet any uh any other things to add on that or, or rating? Uh, yeah war for the planet uh dunkirk fuck yeah dunkirk uh, i did see this so i saw i saw dunkirk in boston on the 70 millimeter imax woo 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 only uh, way to watch it and then i and then I actually ended up seeing it again last night oh, with fuck. my buddy, digitally. Shout uh, out your buddy. Was he? Did he talk during the movie? Was he annoying? No, but he like had to pee three times. He had to pee three times. Yeah, just my friend with the small bladder. <laughs> oh, that one. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, it's 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 a it's a running joke at this point. Like going to see movies with him is is like you get to you have to sit on the aisle. Does he get like an extra large soda too? No. No, I think he. I think he has a couple beers before he goes. Ah, uh, yeah. That's what. Here, pro tip for anyone who's going to see movies: don't drink beer before you go. It's a terrible idea. Yeah, that's a really bad idea, Jonathan. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to have some liquor, shots. <laughs> T- take shots. Take shots. Always take shots. take shots. I think. That's well, not always, rule. but no, always. For a movie, take shots because then you don't have to <laughs> pee four times throughout the movie. Um, then he can be belligerent halfway through. We don't have to take that many shots. You can take you can take two shots and you're fine. You know? No, take ten shots. Ten shots minimum. Go big or go home. Uh, ten shots minimum for Dunkirk. You're gonna throw up with the motion sickness. Um, speaking of going big and trying to get home, Dunkirk. Oh, Boom. snap! Nice segue. That was an IMAX uh, reference and a plot reference. Uh, yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I got it. I figured it out pretty quick. What do you uh, think of, uh, of 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 Dunkirk? Well, I was gonna say so. Seeing it in seventy millimeter and seeing it in standard digital IMAX, there was absolutely a difference. Um, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, it's 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 you know because I I saw it and I was like I don't know that I saw it in seventy millimeter and I was like I don't know that felt like an IMAX movie. And then I saw it in the digital IMAX and I was like oh shit no it's definitely that's definitely a difference. Um, but uh, overall, I would say uh, it's it didn't detract from the movie at all it's just no i just noticed that there was a difference between the two the the, the 70 millimeters cl- a, cl- a little bit crisper a little bit more the color palette's a little broader um and the motion there's a little bit less motion blur 
Yeah, that makes sense. Digital digital cinema definitely uh, has a problem with motion blur. Yeah. Um, as much as I, I mean, you know, I like new technologies and everything like that. I'm not one of these guys that's like movies should always be on film. Uh, but as no. as somebody who worked in a movie theater uh, when it was you know running film and as it transitioned to digital, there was certainly a clear difference in quality. Yeah, it's getting better. I mean, it, you know, again, like the, the the difference this that I saw in Dunkirk were by no means uh, they made the movie worse, right? I mean, it was still like, oh, cool, this is a cool movie, uh, and it was really subtle too. It was like when people turn their heads really fast or like move their hands really fast or something like that, right? It wasn't like all the time across the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, no. So we. And, and, um, no, I don't know, man. I I I think Dunkirk is amazing. I think it's one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I first off, I will say, and I was like, as I was watching the movie, as it started, I was like, oh, here comes Hans Zimmer again with his fucking ticking clock, like inexplicable ticking clock, just going off somewhere off screen. Uh, that sound effect, and I saw it, like, somebody made a video on it talking about how, how great of a, a way it was to build tension and how subtle and all this stuff. Like, bullshit. I hate it. I hate that effect. I love Dunkirk. Oh, I, I love Christopher I Nolan's movies. That's funny. I don't hate it at all. I thought that was amazing. Oh, I, it bugs me when it doesn't fit the plot. Like, in Dark Knight, uh, they start out with that, and it's like, you get that ticking clock, and it's kind of like, it's kind of cool, because they're, like, doing a heist or whatever, so you're like, okay, maybe they're on a timer. Uh but in Dunkirk, it's like constant. Like the whole movie is just like tick, 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 tick. You know, like who's got the watch? Who's what? Huh. The, but that's what I liked about it. There was a watch. Um, Tom Hardy had a watch the whole time. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy was on a ticking clock with his fuel. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Know. He even it showed the watch. He was looking at it. <laughs> well, so okay. Uh. Let's let's kind of get into it a little bit. Uh, spoiler warning: You've been warned. I don't know. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Um, spoiler warning: They went. To, uh, the British and the uh, Germans went to war. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, were you expecting? Because leading up to this, it was like Christopher Nolan does Dunkirk, and I was like, okay, like there's going to be some sort of like Christopher Nolan flair in this movie. You know what I mean? Like he's gonna. He's going to put his Christopher Nolan hands on this and do something weird. Uh, were you expecting that at all? Like expecting to see some sort of other other aspect of this film when you were going in? Or were you just like, yeah, it's a war movie? Another aspect. What do you mean? I feel like he put his hands all over it. I feel like he took a war movie. Yes. I think he took, I think he took like World War II and turned it into like this dialogueless, characterless epic. Yeah, and, and I, t- I agree that he did. I just mean like when you're going when you're going in, uh, having not seen it yet. Did you? Because Christopher oh, yeah. Nolan. No, he, so here's the thing. I saw. Uh, if you're, you you maybe you'll remember when I went and saw Kong, they showed like a ten minute Dunkirk like tr- trailer, but it wasn't really a trailer because oh, they didn't yeah. introduce it as a trailer. They just started playing it, and I was like, "Holy shit, King Kong is amazing!" Um, <laughs> but it was just ten minutes of Dunkirk. <laughs> And so I going into Dunkirk, I already kind of expected what it, what, what it was because I saw that little that that kind of like little 
featurette. And that featurette was basically the first little chunk of the movie where they're standing on the beach and the planes come flying by and bombing them and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I no, I didn't. I didn't expect it to be uh, just a standard war movie, like a like a like a the the, the tale of Sergeant John Macklemore. <laughs> Uh, you know, like I didn't think it was going to be that, I th- but, uh, I didn't think, I also didn't expect it to be ex- exactly what it was also. Yeah. I, I guess going in, it's like with Christopher Nolan and his sort of filmic history, uh, he never just makes a sci-fi movie or just makes a crime movie or just makes a superhero movie, right? Like it's always, there's always like a, a twist with time or like a weird, like, you know, conceptual thing, like with the dreams and inception or with, uh, you know, in the prestige, all the illusions or, you know, I mean, memento, like there's, there's just always this Christopher Nolan flair on top of whatever film he's making. Uh, and so going into this, I was like, like the trailers hadn't really led on that. Like there was anything, uh, narratively out of the norm with this movie, but I knew I was like, Christopher Nolan can't help himself. Like, and, which is fine, and I like it. It usually turns out well. But he can't help but create some sort of weird narrative disruption in the film. Uh, almost like a puzzle for you to put together. And sure. and that that was the thing. And so like when I was sitting down in the theater, I was like, okay, where's the other where's the other shoe that's going to drop? Is that the phrase? Or is it hat? Sure. Is it hat? Do hats drop or shoes? Email Both in. Do. They both they both do, but it depends on which one hits the floor first, which is the <laughs> analogy you use. <laughs> uh, anyway, and so when you get like ten minutes in, uh, you know it does it does the thing. It's like the beat or, or the air one hour, and the beach one day, and and the ocean one day, like whatever it is. Uh, right. That whole thing. I was like, okay, here, like here it is. He's just he's messing with time. Uh, and then as it went again, on again, ticking uh, clock time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so as it went on and then like, you start to see the things sort of like intersect and weave in together. You're like, okay, that's what he's doing. He's just, he's just getting all Christopher Nolan on it. Um, yeah. uh, I, I, but I, I, I thought that was what made that movie so good. I agree. I absolutely agree. I just, I don't, I don't, I, sorry. I just don't want you. sounds like you're about to like give a big, butt. you don't like Christopher Nolan messing with stuff. And I think, <laughs> Let's let Christopher Nolan mess with stuff because it fucking works. Yeah, absolutely. I just like it was one of those things where I was like going into it. I knew it was going to happen and I was excited for it, but it just hadn't been led on in the trailer. Like in the trailers for Inception, right? You're watching it and you're like, okay, it's like about dreams. They got kind of this twisty stuff. And like even in Interstellar, they had a, they let on a little bit about the whole time thing and relativity and and the you know I don't think the trailers really gave away the we are the gods or whatever. But um, anyway. I, I did enjoy that. I loved the way that this was uh, sort of stitched together narratively, and I loved that for a guy like Christopher Nolan, who is normally so dialogue intensive, mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed that this movie was just like bare minimum on dialogue. Yeah, bare minimum on dialogue, and really, like you, you, you follow some characters, but there's no main character. There's no nobody. I mean, as far as I can remember, most of the characters you don't even know their names. Yeah. I I couldn't tell you any of their names, uh, and I really liked that as well. That just like, because I think that's what that's so striking about a war movie. This specifically in this type of war movie is it's like 
nobody has a name in war, right? You're just a number. You're just a. You're just one of a, of. You're one of four hundred thousand on this beach. Yeah. Uh, and you don't need have you don't you don't get special billing because of that. No, you are just one of many. Uh, and the camera just happens to be following you. And I'm sure, along the way, other people had just as crazy of, of you know times trying to get off the beach as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, man, I I don't know. I just thought it was so cool, and that like everything about it was super good. It's just it's a pretty basic plot, you know. It's not like it's trying to get overcomplicated or anything. And uh, I think it's great. I think it's going to win everything. Yeah, I mean. It- it was put together fantastic. And like Tom Hardy, you know, enough can never be said about how much acting Tom Hardy can do with a minimal amount of his face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just eyes. Yeah. Like not even eyebrows, just eyes. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty insane. And like, I, and I mean, they also couldn't resist uh, doing the, the thing where they make Tom Hardy incomprehensible in terms of his voice. Hold on. I'm going to sneeze. You can talk for a second. Yeah, no, they 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 do constant. They do that's like the the Tom Hardy way. It's also just the it's also just the Christopher Nolan way to have uh have the dialogue be somewhat obfuscated by the in, in, by the incredible sound design. So it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like hit and miss there because it's like yeah, I can't really understand what the characters are saying, but oh my god, the sound design is amazing and I love it. I love everything about it. So I'm not like super sad that I can't understand them. Yeah. Uh, and this and this one I think works better because you don't really need to know what people are saying. Like you can pretty you can figure it out. This movie could have had no dialogue and you could have figured out what ha- what was going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean like, you know, the the only the dialogue that was in it was just integral to like slightly fleshing out the world a little bit more, but it wasn't integral to the plot. Yeah, except for I guess there's one moment in there where it was, but otherwise no. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, the, it's it's really, especially because, you know, like, even when Tom Hardy's like, oh, I'm running low on fuel and, like, all this stuff, uh, even without any of the dialogue for them explaining, like, just by seeing him, like, write those numbers down on his dash or whatever, you would understand exactly what was going on. Um, yeah, no, totally. And that's that's a huge accomplishment, just, like, I mean, really, the only scenes where the dialogue is, is absolutely necessary uh, is with mark rylance uh like on the boat when they're heading out to go and help the troops um yeah a little bit of his the other, the other there's the other part where the dialogue is necessary that i kind of alluded to before is when the when they're all hiding in that ship floating and the and uh oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I i'll leave that open because i just won't i don't want to spoil it just in case but yeah that's that's a pretty important dialogue moment in there god that scene that scene was like brutally intense oh yeah oh yeah and that's, I think that's a, a huge thing that this, this movie does well. Uh, in a similar vein to movies like uh, Ex Machina, it's like just right right off the get-go. Like it, it immediately just starts building and building and building the tension and never lets up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, I love that. And I mean, I mean, like Christopher Nolan is obviously like he's a master filmmaker. Uh Every time he makes a movie, I love it. Even Interstellar, for all the problems it had, I still love that movie. Yeah, I think it's. I, I really liked it too. Yeah. Uh, um, no, what about Young Harry Styles, little breakout star of this movie? Yeah, man. I, I'll be honest. I couldn't even really tell which one was Harry Styles when I was watching it. So I, I, I don't fucking know. No. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't oh, know which one funny. he is. He's the guy. 
he's the uh he's the uh he's one of the guys that was hiding out in the boat uh he's the guy at the end uh he wasn't the french guy was he no no he wasn't that that he wasn't that the other anyway whatever he was in the movie uh he was good <laughs> i was trying not to spoil things jason and you kind of ruined it but whatever uh, well i mean it, mm. I guess, yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't I mean he wasn't like the main kid though. The main kid was some other guy. He was the main he was the other he was the friend of the main kid. Oh, that, at the that was Harry Styles. Yeah. I I'll tell you the the one problem I had in this movie was identifying which brown-haired British kid was which. I know. I had that problem too cuz they all looked the same. But again, <laughs> I think that's super intentional. I think that's the point. Absolutely. That they, that they should all kind of look the same. So uh, you really, again, blur the line of having an individual character and everybody's sort of just, you know, well, I think part, it's, of the, part of the masses of characters. Yeah, and I think it's realistic as well. I mean, it's just like in terms of like, you know, the British Army in World War II, like most of them pretty much looked like that. You know what I mean? Like in terms of historical accuracy. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I... I uh, it was great. It was it was absolutely great, and I and I, I'm I'm happy that it exists as a film. And and I think oh, it's yeah. like I think if you haven't seen it, go see it in IMAX. Because come on, what are you doing? Come on, yeah. Who are you? Why are you you're, you're you're literally having the movie chopped off the top and bottom if you go see it any other way. Yeah, I the there for this movie there is no other way to see it other than in IMAX. It's just it's not at all the same. No. Um, nope. Nope. And go somewhere with a good sound system because oh. I honestly I'm ninety percent sure that the sounds that the movie theater we went to last night, I think their sound system was a little fucked up from playing Dunkirk for the past two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that that sound is intense, dude. Like the, the jets fighting and like whoever this is most certainly gonna get uh nominated for Oscars in both sound design and, and um sound mixing. It's gonna win for both too, guaranteed. Probably. It's it's stunning. It is. I mean, the sound alone is worth this movie. I would, if I was blind, I would have gone to see this movie for that sound. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so loud, it's so intense, and it's so visceral. Like, and it doesn't sound like a movie gun, right? It sounds like a real gun. Yes. Uh, and just that alone, it makes it so much more intense. Yeah, and just uh, like, I mean, yeah, and like the sound of like the jets flying overhead, or even when they're in the sky with each other, they're dogfighting. Like, it's it's beautiful sound design. Yep, loved it. Um, and then what did you uh, say you saw another movie? Or? Yeah, and, and we can just skip through these real quick. I saw uh I watched Mars Attacks again, I watched Starship Troopers again, and then I watched a little bit of or most of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly last night. Fuck yeah. Um uh Mars Attacks is fun. Starship Troopers is uh still fun, yet now it, the lines between it being a, like a pro totalitarian or a or a or a uh, sort of a, a spoof on that. I can't really tell. Mm. Although I think intentionally he was trying to make it a spoof, but it's like it's like so diehard pro war that it's kind of hard to see the parody in it. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Uh, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. Still one of the best films of all time. Yeah, it's Hands a great down. movie. Yeah. Um. Dope. Fuck yeah. Uh. I saw Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You did based on the much loved French graphic novels. Yep the the 
award-winning and 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 abs and and revered graphic novels from France. Uh, yep. Featuring a star who's a burly, go-getting tough tough guy. He's a man's man. Who's the man's man? Valerian. He's Valerian. He's a man's man. He's a real tough guy, and he's played by Dane DeHaan. You know, oh, the yeah. tough guy. I don't like Dane DeHaan at all. I like him as an actor, but Jesus Christ, was this movie miscast? Yeah. Uh, here's what I'll say about it. Did you, have you seen it? No. 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 And I, 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 I would like to, but I'm not like running out to see it. So I think it is worth seeing. Uh, it's probably going to go gangbusters in China. It still hasn't opened in China yet, but it's it's not done well in the U.S. I think China is going to to save it, much like it did with Warcraft. Um, the visual effects in this movie are incredible. I have never seen a movie with this level of visual effects before. Um, okay, it's it 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 far surpasses surpasses uh, Avatar. Like again, like like the the creatures, the planets, the the like action scenes. Every effect in this movie is stunning. Just, just legitimately stunning, and some of the performances are really good. Um, okay. The biggest problem with this movie is that the the two leads, Dane DeHaan and and uh, Cara Delevingne, they don't fit the parts. Hmm. Every other role in this movie, I think, is cast pretty well. Like Clive Owen is does a good job. Rihanna, actually, I thought Rihanna was going to be annoying and and uh, really aggravating she was actually awesome rihanna did a great job um okay uh rutger hauer aka not sting did a great job uh-huh. um but it's dane dehan is like this scrawny little kid with a giant head who the entire like the movie everybody around him the way that he's referred to in this film you would think that luke hemsworth was playing this role like huh everybody talks to him as if he's this giant badass that's like revered galaxy wide for being such a badass, and he's just like super hot, and all the ladies love him, all that stuff. And like, there are mm-hmm. lines in this movie that refer to that. Cara Delevingne uh, calls him a lady killer, not sarcastically at one point. Uh, okay. And he's this fucking scrawny kid. It just it just doesn't fit. Like it's 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 a role that like clearly was. Uh, uh, written with a, and I mean, obviously, like you look at the original graphic novel, he was a like Valerian was a tough guy, like he was a, you know, a hero type. Uh, sure. If this were done around the time of Star Wars, it would have been a Harrison Ford role. Um, okay. You know, it, it's Kurt just Russell. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kurt Russell totally would have nailed it at this type of role. Uh, today, like you would cast a Hemsworth in this role without a doubt. But for some reason, it ended up being Dane DeHaan. And then Cara Delevingne, who has, like, this look and attitude and just, like, aesthetic of being, like, a sort of, like, a rogue, like, bad girl type of character is playing, like, the most straight-laced, like, Hermione Granger type person ever. Uh, Hmm. And so it just doesn't... It just doesn't work. And... Huh, okay. With a movie that is stacked with... uh, with with really good casting, with incredible visual effects, with a story that's at least pretty good. Like I think the story is solid. The plot kind of falls apart a little bit, but the overall story I think is really solid. Um, yeah. It's it sucks that all of those good pieces 
are just completely undercut by two leads that don't fit the role at all. Hmm. Um, okay. However, totally worth seeing. Like just just for the creatures and the effects alone, totally worth seeing. And it does have some pretty great commentary on how war affects the people who are not even involved in those wars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the collateral damage, so to speak. I think that just some of these things, and just just the sci-fi concepts alone are just incredible. Uh, I don't know. For any sci-fi geek, I think it's a great one to see because it's it it really gets your imagination going, and it's it's great fuel for just possibilities. Uh, sure. But overall, it just doesn't quite land. Bummer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I watched, and then uh, I read uh, Black Widow Volume One by uh, Chris Somney and Mark Wade. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah. Yep, I've read I read the first issue before. Um, I've flipped through it before, but like just reading that volume, that is such a freaking well put together comic. Like, yeah, top to bottom, and and it's it's the comic that pushed Matt Wilson over the edge to win that Eisner, uh, like we talked about last week. Yep, for coloring. Um, yep, Chris Somney, like there's kind of this class of artists these days, like Chris Somney, uh, Cliff Chang, uh, Greg Smallwood, who we talked to. Um, and, and somebody like Mitch Garrett's where, uh, less is more in their art mm-hmm. and they've really found a way to make every single stroke of the pencil count. Uh, it's, it's the opposite of a guy like, let's say Jim Lee, where the more lines he adds, the more beautiful the drawing gets with Chris Somney with like, especially in this volume with Chris Somney, the less he does, the better it looks. Sure. Um, and it's just it's it's a beautiful simplicity. The movement of the panels and everything is so good, and it's so clearly uh, Chris Somney doing most of the heavy work here. I mean, like Mark Wade was a co-writer, right? But Chris Somney was co-writer and artist. And even like hearing them in interviews and stuff, he was so clearly pulling the the lion's share of the weight on this comic, and it was really like his book. Uh, I just i I loved reading it. It was a freaking joy to read. I can't wait to read uh, the rest of the series. Nice. No, I, 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 I'm with you, man. Mark, those guys and Buck Widow. It's a, one of those, one of those little like perfect storms of yeah, the the right character, the right people to do that character, and and just making an excellent series. Yeah, and I mean they did they did great on Daredevil before that as well. Um, yep. And uh, and I'll actually let this segue over into our news because yep. they're not done with each other, Matt. You thought they were done with each other. I know you were thinking I sh- it. I did. I, I uh, the whole time whole time you were thinking it i was like i was like get bet they're, bet they're done now <laughs> they did it they're 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 all done yep, uh good job guys <laughs> go home <laughs> back it up uh so marvel is is doing this whole marvel legacy uh event where they're kind of doing what dc did with rebirth they're sort of renumbering and, and rebranding their whole line uh and the, and, t- and, the, and to clarify the intention here is to let this like the whole thing kind of they're, are they renumbering or are they going back to legacy numbering? They're going back to legacy numbering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort so, of. So, sort of, right? Yeah. So, um, but the intention is to sort of like put the ball back into that continuity and stop trying to do all these like re- restarts every six months. Yeah, hopefully that's the intention. I really, really hope they stop fucking like going back to new number ones every year and and all that and the canceling series after six months. I hope that that's the intention for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. And they're, and they're kind of, like, they're doing what DC did going into Rebirth, which was to say, hey, what makes our characters great? 
where have we strayed from that? Let's get back to that. Let's make sure that these characters are recognizable as who they are. Uh, and sort of, you know, it's like start back from a prototypical version of like what DC did with Superman, you know, start with a prototypical Superman or a prototypical Batman and really emphasize what does make those characters great, what makes them work, and then go mm-hmm. from there. Yes. Uh, so that's no different uh, because Mark Wade and Chris Somney are taking over Captain America uh, following Ooh. the Legacy event uh, with number 695. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, I, that, that's exciting to me. I, I Captain America is a great character, and it'll be nice to to get kind of get back to some good caps telling. Like I, I liked all the um, Nick Spencer stuff; it was kind of fun. But I, there's you know a controversial. We've talked about that. Yeah, kind of like convoluted and whatever. But the last great sort of uh, Captain America run that I really liked was Remender's Captain America run. Absolutely. Um, just because it was a lot more simple and it's just kind of real, just straight up like I'm Captain America and I got in this weird alternate dimension time thing and stuff. But yeah, I'm, fi- I'm fighting the Red Skull still. <laughs> you know? And I, I think I think that uh, that Wade and Somni are you know one of those teams now that they just can't they can do no wrong. Like every character that they touch. Uh, that they'll really knock it out of the park with, you know, like kind of like Loeb and Sale. They did the the three Batman stories, and then they went and did Spider Man Blue, Hulk uh, Gray, and and Daredevil Yellow, and Captain America White. Like I think that yes, I think Wade and Somni are just a team that we can look forward to just seeing go through all these different characters in the Marvel universe. <clears throat> Agreed. I totally um, agree. I hope that I hope that at some point they get a chance to do some Spider Man. I think that'd be great. You know, um, yes. And I would also be happy, though, as well, if they just if if like if the if the Zadarsky Spider Man kind of took over as the running Spider Man. Yeah, no, that'd be uh, great. And, and you know, Dan Slott could do something completely else. <laughs> <laughs> he could focus on his much delayed Silver Surfer series that's actually really good. Um, it is pretty good. Yeah, there you go. He can go to he can go to Silver Surfer. Yeah. Uh, although apparently that's going to be ending, uh, which is a shame because it's a good series. Although yeah. I don't know, too much of a good thing tends to get sour. <coughs> Dance a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I'm really excited. I I love seeing the, them put their stamp on characters. I mean, you know, Daredevil was fantastic. Black Widow was great. I I'm I'm excited to see what they do with Captain America. I I agree. I I think their dare or they I think their Daredevil run was one of my favorite Daredevil runs. Yeah, period. absolutely. Yep. Um, have you read God Country at all? The uh, Image Comics series? Uh, yes. A li- just a little bit, though. Okay. I've read just. I think I just did a little handful. Uh, like maybe the first half of the first issue or something. Mm. So not a, not a lot. It's I, I. It's a great series. Uh, it's you know equal parts like maybe Southern Bastards and American Gods. Um, mm-hmm. in in inspiration. Uh, and yes. I, and I think the writer Donnie Cates is is one of the, I think like three or four years from now he's going to be kind of at the Jason Aaron level of of names where he's just revered as one of the best in the in the industry. Um, yeah. But in uh, in related news, uh, Donnie Cates is now an exclusive writer with Marvel Comics. He'll still be able to do his Image Comics stuff just like always, but uh, he will not be able to do any DC or other licensed material. Uh, but he is exclusive with Don- with Marvel, which means Marvel is putting him on a lot of titles. Uh, the first 
is uh, Thanos. Uh, Donny Cates and his artist from God Country, Jeff Shaw, are taking over the Thanos title at number 13 from uh, Jeff Lemire. Huh. So, I, and, I, and did I mention, I, I mentioned that I started Lemire's Thanos run. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I think Lemire uh, is a little checked out with his Marvel stuff right now. Sure. Okay. All right. That's uh, that's sort of exciting. I don't know. I remember Thanos to, to me doesn't stand out as a great lead character for a series, but yeah, he's a good villain. I'm not. I'm never really that interested in the Thanos series, but that's a good. Uh, that's a good creator. series to, or a good creator rather to uh, to have on it, or two creators. Sure. Yeah. See how, see what happens. Yeah. Uh, in other news, Donny Cates is also going to be taking over Doctor Strange uh, from Jason Aaron. Mm, bummer. And let's hope it's great because, man, Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange run has been really good. I've heard great things, and I'm actually I'm kind of wondering what's going on with Jason Aaron. He like I feel like he might be backing out of Marvel a little bit uh, because well, no, isn't he isn't he taking over? Uh... Like Avengers duties, is he? That could be. I think so. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's. I think he's stepping up. I think he's taking over big sort of. I think he's going a little Bendis, uh, Bendis Hickman levels. Yeah, I think he's taking over a little bit. Um, we'll find out. I, I'm gonna do a little news search on that really quick while we talk. But uh, Jason Aaron is also dropping out of uh, Star Wars at number thirty-seven. Oh bummer! He's been so great at Star Wars. But you know what? I, I maybe 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 this is the the right time for uh, too much of a good thing and get some get some other blood in there to write some fun Star Wars stories as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so the writer that they're and actually the creative team that they're bringing in is the creative team from the uh, first uh, uh, Darth Vader series. There's a new one now with Charles Soule, but the the original Darth Vader run uh, that Marvel did a couple years ago, uh, Kieran Gillen and Salvatore La Roca uh, will be taking over Star Wars. Mm, okay so did you like that darth vader run yeah oh yeah very much so cool uh yep um i think yeah i I enjoyed it i didn't read the whole thing but uh i enjoyed it and i mean like them co-writing on vader down was uh it was a great event oh yeah um so that's cool we'll see we'll see how star wars goes uh it's a bummer that jason aaron's leaving uh because he's done such a good job but i mean 37 issues is pretty uh that's a pretty long run yeah no, that's good. Um, let's see. Okay, so yeah, uh, there's, there's, it's not confirmed, but Jason Aaron and and Assad Ribic, the artist from Secret Wars and uh, his Thor as well, um, they uh, are rumored to be doing uh, Avengers after Marvel Legacy. Hmm. So let's hope that's okay. true. That'd be awesome. I would enjoy yeah. that. Um, and then the next piece of news out of the Marvel uh, vault: Have you ever read Hip Hop Family Tree, Matt? Uh, I started it again. Another one that I just I, I liked it, but I never really dug all the way through it. Yeah, I I, f- I feel like that book is totally like right down your alley. Um, it is. It is. I, I I I like it. I think it's pretty fun. I was I was reading that and watching the Get Down a little bit, and that was pretty cool. Oh hell yeah! Uh, so Ed Piscor, the uh, or Pisker, I don't know how to say it. Um, the the writer slash artist or cartoonist, if you will, behind Hip Hop Family Tree. Uh, is doing a uh, Marvel... I don't know if it's an original graphic novel or an ongoing series or a limited series, but it's called X-Men Grand Design. Hmm. That's pretty freaking cool. I don't know what that is. It's, uh, it's a new series. All I know is that it's, it's, it's the guy who does Hip Hop Family Tree doing a freaking X-Men book, so that's awesome. 
Oh, we don't know any plot details or anything? Nothing at all. It's, uh, let's huh. see. Well, it says, here. so here's what they say. Uh, a true inclusive book for all X-Men fans, X-Men Grand Designs stitches together the stories of the important years of the X-Men, uh, bridging the history of everyone's favorite mutants with the present day. It's a title that truly sums up Marvel Legacy and its importance to the Marvel Universe. Oh, so it's basically a, like a primer for X-Men fans to get back into X-Men series? Yeah, maybe that's... Because it got so confusing. Yeah, I dude, yeah, if it's like... And maybe I guess that's what the title of Grand Design kind of implies, is that they're going to sort of tie in all of the stuff and make it more cohesive. So that's cool. That's that, Yeah, that is super cool. I You know, that, and I think that's like, you know, kind of going back to the Loeb and Sale, like I think that's what's so cool about their Marvel runs, because it was like, yeah, you want to catch up on Spider-Man? Just read this. And like... Totally. That, that'll that save you 30 years of Spider-Man comics. Yeah, it's just like, it's like this nice, like, one, like, one story to introduce you to the character and get you, like, familiar with the world pretty quickly, and then you're good. I think that's, a, I think that's really smart for Marvel to be doing, um, if they're trying to go back to this whole, what was it, legacy, legacy yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really smart. That, that can bring, that, that can really help bring new readers in, um, that can help a lot of people that sort of checked out for a while because it got so convoluted it was impossible to sort of keep up. Oh, totally. Um, that's a good idea. Yeah, right and I think he's a great he's a great storyteller, uh, and that'll be. I don't know, it, regardless, I think it'll just be a fun story to to read because I, I like him a lot as a cartoonist. Yep. No, nope, I'm into it. Um, so we've seen over the past couple of years how much success that Marvel has had uh, creating these original series for Netflix, right? These, these, uh, you know, Daredevil, Luke Cage, The Defenders, all that stuff. We sure have. Uh, well, it seems like Iron, like Iron, like Iron Fist. Yeah, exactly. Like the great success that was Iron Fist. Uh, oh boy. Funny enough that uh, you should mention Iron Fist because now Marvel is is kind of taking that same approach with uh, comicsology. They are going to create a line of of comicsology exclusive uh marvel series um huh. which is pretty cool i i think that's a, a fun idea and it's it's definitely a very similar thing to uh uh to the netflix originals um, so is this going to be is it is it going to be in universe so it's it's in universe yes it's in continuity okay uh the first series that they're kicking off is immortal iron fists plural uh, by writer Kari Andrews and artist Afu Chan. Um, this series centers around uh, Iron Fist and the uh, little girl... What's her name? Uh, Pei. She's a young female monk from Kunlun uh, and the youngest person to ever bear the mark of the Iron Fist. Uh, so basically, she'll be... you know, it's. I'll just read from the solicit. While Pei tackles the trials of high school, Danny Rand, the immortal Iron Fist, faces his greatest challenge yet training the inexperienced pay all the while uh, a growing threat appears that will take more than one pair of iron fists to defeat um it's originally planned as a six issue twice monthly digital exclusive title on comiXology uh and it's free for comiXology unlimited members uh 2.99 for non-members cool so well, i, I think that's pretty cool is you know that, i think yeah is that all that's announced so far it's all that's announced so far. They're saying that it's a, it's, you know, I mean, I guess they'd probably say this on pretty much any uh, solicit, but uh, they're saying it's a, a great entry point for new fans and longtime readers. There you go. But uh, yeah, so uh, that'll be fun. I, I, I'm actually, I'm very excited at the possibility of having more uh, Comixology exclusive series. 
And yeah. if they wanted more people to sign up for Comixology Unlimited, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, I'd be pretty okay if Comixology really kind of took the took the reins there and was like, no, pay for Comixology Unlimited if you want to, uh, and really you can get you can you can get a huge comic fix that way across all platforms. Yeah, uh, and here's some incentive as to why that's a good idea. Uh, totally. If yeah, because, just because I think I think a lot of people do read digital comics now, mm-hmm. and if and Comicsology is unlimited is above and beyond affordable. Yeah, I mean, and the uh, rumor has it that the digital sales on comic books are about equal to print sales. Oh, really? Yeah, as far well, as single right. issues. So, so, so what I'm get yeah. So what I'm getting at is, I bet you there's a huge market of people that are just downloading them illegally. And so if they if you create this 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 incentive to go back to comicsology cuz I mean I read almost all digital, you know. I mean I like I like getting my trades just cuz they're they're fun to have around, right? Yeah. I, I like I like holding a book and reading the paper and stuff like that and but it's just more convenient to do everything digitally. So create an incentive, get people to pay for it, keep money in the system. We yep. you know, I mean I think you know comics there's nothing if we're not paying for them. Yeah. Um I mean, it's the same that happened with HBO when they introduced HBO. Now, all of a sudden, you know, people like people, people were pirating Game of Thrones before, and now all of a sudden, you know, its piracy numbers have have completely dropped off the map. You know, it's, it still gets pirated, but not near as much as it used to. And at least, just uh, specifically in the U.S., I just read an article this morning talking about how in Canada the oh, the well, pirating yeah. for for Game of Thrones is off the charts because it's it's uh it's like 150 bucks a month to gain access to hbo up there exactly and that, that's the problem is like where it's accessible people would rather pay to have the ease of access and not have to worry about pirating it but when it's not a, yes when it's not really easily accessible it's just like oh fuck that like we're not paying 150 bucks a month for our show yeah exactly um so yeah i i totally no, that, agree with you yeah that's great oh cool uh, and then that's that's all the Marvel news that we have. Uh, shifting over to uh, DC news, um, we've talked. What's up with those? De- what's up with those Detective Comics? Those Detective Comics, boy, are we gonna detect some news? That's for sure. Um, so we've we've talked a bit recently about how DC has been doing these uh, these pop up imprints, right? They've had like the Hanna Barbera universe and Young Animal and uh, Warren Ellis's yeah. The Wild Storm. Yes. Uh, they are continuing that trend uh, and bringing back uh, one of... Do you, do you know who uh, Dwayne McDuffie is? No. So Dwayne McDuffie was one of the driving forces behind the DC animated shows like uh, Justice League, Static Shock, and all of those. Uh, a fantastic oh, okay. storyteller, worked really closely with guys like Darwin Cook and Bruce Timm. Um, uh-huh. was, I think he was the showrunner on both Justice League cartoons and Static Shock. Um, okay. Anyway, he back in the uh, 90s, uh, he launched a comic book imprint at DC called Milestone, which was essentially a, a more like diverse and especially uh, a more like a, a universe of superheroes that was more closely tied to the black community, you know, because Dwayne McDuffie growing up black as a comic books fan, he, you know, he felt like there was a, a huge area just sort of missing uh, from from the comic book universe in terms of just representing black people and black culture. Um, yeah. So they launched milestone as a way to do that. Static shock was part of that um, as well as some other heroes. Uh, and DC is bringing back milestone. Dwayne McDuffie is now dead, uh, but it's other founders, Dennis Cohen and Derek Engel are helping bring back milestone as a pop-up imprint. 
uh, along with uh, creators like uh, Jeff Johns, Jim Lee, Bill Sienkiewicz, Ken Lashley, and Christopher Priest. Uh, nice. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's an all-star team there. Uh, yeah. And the heroes Static Shock, Icon, Rocket, and Zombie uh, will all be part of this, uh, this uh, uh, rebirth of Milestone, let's say. Sure. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that's see super you, excited. I see, you, I see what you did there. You see, you see what I did there? Uh-huh. That's super exciting because, like, seriously, every single pop-up imprint that they've done so far at DC has been killer. Like, Young Animal has been awesome. We've talked about it before. The Hanna-Barbera universe, Flintstones, Future Quest, all that stuff. Super cool. Yep. Um, yep. Warren Ellis. We were joking about it. We were joking about it the other day. We're we're, we're eagerly anticipating the Jetsons. <laughs> I would love that, not con- dude. N- not confirmed, but I hope they, they do. do yeah, they got to do it. They got to do it. I, and like Future Quest is is absolutely balls to the wall insanity uh, in terms of just like crazy golden age sci fi. Um, but yeah, I uh, so I, I love all their pop up imprints. I'm glad that they're adding another one to the list. Um, this is what I like to see out of DC when they're not so tied down to continuity and universe building and stuff. It's like they've got kind of their core titles and then they've got all of this other space where they're just exploring and doing weird stuff. Yeah, it's great. I agree. Uh, hey, you know, you know how Frank Miller hates Superman and he's talked about hating Superman before. And every time he writes Superman, he's like a weird jingoistic stereotype. Oh boy. Well, Breathe, breathe easy, true believers, because Frank Miller is now writing Superman Year One, uh, with art by none other than John Romita Jr. Hooray! Uh, <laughs> why? <laughs> I love Frank Miller. Don't get me wrong; like Dark Knight Returns is great. Batman Year One was great. Like all of his Daredevil stuff was awesome. But good God, is he not a good fit for Superman? No, and, no. Uh, no. And why John Romita Jr.? Why? Because he's because he's classic. God, it's not even cla- like John Romita Jr. is the worst artist to come out of the nineties. All like seriously, I over over Liefeld. Yes, I would take Liefeld over Romita Jr. Wow. Okay. I don't like him, man. I I just and look nothing nothing. I'm ag- not saying I'm not saying I love him either. I'm just uh, okay. yeah. N- and nothing against people who do like him. I just his style. I just do not like. There are so many w- weird elements to it. The only time I've really liked his style was in uh, he did like some Iron Man work early in his career that was actually really good. Uh, ever since then, I've just felt like it looks lazy and weird and. There's just I don't know. There's I could really deconstruct why I hate John Romita Jr.'s art style uh, a lot more, but I won't. I'll spare everybody the uh, the time. I I'm assuming that because I'm saying this, we'll never get John Romita Jr. on for an interview. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. I just can't think of a team less uh, less fit to tell Superman's freaking origin story. Yeah, and I'll give you that. Also, I mean, come on, Max Landis already gave us a Superman origin story. That's the only one you ever need. Totally, dude. Like, and why do we need another Superman origin? We've had so many. I just, ugh. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's funny. So, so, hooray! We can look forward to that. Um, and uh, in other DC news, Scott Snyder's uh, original character, Duke Thomas. Uh, who has been in the pages of All-Star Batman and uh, and was also in the pages of Scott Snyder's Batman before that and in the pages of We Are Robin. 
Duke Thomas looks to be getting his own uh, series, and apparently he will finally be getting a code name. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, this new series uh, will be written by Scott Snyder, who created the character, uh, alongside uh, co-writer Tony Patrick, who apparently is one of the graduates of DC's uh, Writers' Workshop that uh, they started last year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the cool thing is, uh, Duke Thomas, apparently his nickname is The Signal. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, but he will differentiate himself in the Gotham, uh, and Batman landscape as sort of being Gotham's hero by day rather than, uh, everyone else who works at night. Kind of cool, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. I like that. He's got a bright yellow costume. He's been trained by Batman for, uh, about a year. They've been kind of going through this training arc in, uh, in, uh, All-Star Batman. Uh, so it'll be cool huh. to see him burst out, and I would love to see how Gotham City is illustrated during the daytime. Yeah, that's pretty fun. I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, dude. It's freaking... I, I, I imagine that's a pretty untapped, like a pretty solid untapped world of Batman. Totally. Yeah, it's like, I, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen anything take place during the daytime in Gotham. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, like, so it'll be cool. And, and I think Duke is a great character. Uh... A, a total a great example of how you introduce both legacy and diversity into a universe by having a writer like scott snyder who adds him in and actually takes him seriously rather than just being like oh i'm gonna make this character and and see what happens and then forget about him uh duke thomas has been in the batman sort of storylines for four years now uh and it's like this slow arc of him like being kind of around in batman's life and then sort of like finding out who batman is and then training to like kind of like be you know sort of a sidekick, then deciding not to be Robin and sort of do his own thing. Like it's 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 been a great build up to see this character actually grow and develop uh, over the last few years. Yeah, right on. So, uh, in other news, in another pop up imprint from DC, uh, DC has another pop up imprint coming called Dark Matter, which will spin off of their new uh, summer event called Metal that Scott Snyder is also doing. Uh, Dark Matter is going to have a lot of interesting stories with some familiar faces, uh, but one cool thing that DC said is that they will not be publishing variant covers for Dark Matter titles, and that every single issue will be two ninety nine, no more. Nice, hell yeah. Uh, yeah! One of those familiar creators they are bringing back to the fold is Jeff Lemire. Holy crap! Holy crap! He's back. He's back in action, uh, and he's. <laughs> seemingly just brought his fantastic four pitch that marvel probably declined over to dc and said hey can i do a fantastic four story here oh really that's too funny (laughs) yeah uh so he's he's doing a book called the terrifics with uh artists ivan reese and uh doc shaner who is the artist on uh uh, future quest Uh uh-huh um you've got the smartest man in the world uh in mr terrific you got metamorpho who's kind of a crazy shape-shifting weird alien type guy you have uh, a okay. perennial jokester plastic man who stretches around. Uh, sure. And then uh, Phantom Girl who goes invisible because, you know, hmm. Fantastic Four. Um, yep, I'm seeing it. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, both of the artists are incredible on this and it's, it's fantastic to see Lemire back at DC again. His previous DC work has been incredible. Uh, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Right on. In addition, he's also writing a miniseries called Hawkman Found, which will be spinning out of the pages of metal as well, because Hawkman has a bunch of shit going on there, so we'll see how that goes. Fun, right? It is fun. Uh, hey, do you like uh, French artists? Um, 
Probably. Cool, because this guy's probably French, and by French I mean European. I'm not sure which kind of European, because they don't specify. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, European cartoonist Enrico Marini uh, is... Uh, <laughs> Oh my god. So you like French? Here's my Italian accent. <laughs> He's from Spain. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry to my uh French in-laws. Um uh anyway, uh he's actually he's a fantastic uh artist and writer. Uh but he is doing a a series of two original graphic novels uh for Batman called Batman the Dark Prince Charming uh that will be published uh this year and next. Uh the pages that they've put out for this look beautiful. They look like they look like paintings that you would put on a wall in a museum somewhere. Um, huh. So I'm really excited to see what the hell this is. Uh, the solicit or the thing that they've released so far says, "What secret connection do both Batman and the Joker share with a strange and mysterious young girl?" After she's kidnapped by the Joker, uh, Batman must plunge deep into the underworld of Gotham City and race against time to find out where she's being held. The stakes are high, and for Batman, it's personal. Oh, boy. It's personal. <laughs> hey, look, he's European. Uh, okay. So so he, he must be good. That's... Funny. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it is. It, it looks beautiful, and I'm excited to get sort of the uh, the the European artists back into uh, the world of Batman because they always do some crazy stuff. Um, cool. Have you ever read any DC Earth One stuff? No. Uh, DC Earth One is like this line of original graphic novels that are published as graphic novels rather than single issues. Uh, each of them gives kind of a an interesting, different, unique take on an existing character. Uh, but f- oh, is, is that where the Superman Red Sun came from? No. So Superman Red Sun was published as single issues. That's just a, a DC Elseworlds uh, tale. With oh, okay. with Earth One, what they kind of do is they, they maintain the characters and their integrity and all that stuff, but they start them over with sort of a, almost like a modernized origin maybe, but just more just like a, a I don't know, just a slightly different origin than what we're used to. Uh-huh. But they're fun stories uh, that are, great entry points for new people uh, visiting these characters um so like jeff johns did batman earth one uh j michael straczynski did superman earth one uh jeff lemire did teen titans earth one and then grant morrison did uh, wonder woman earth one uh dc just announced the latest in the line of earth one books is green lantern earth one uh which is written uh by gabriel hardman and karina Bechko. Uh, who worked on um, Invisible Republic. Have you ever read that? Uh, nope. Okay. It's a good book, actually. It's a really cool sci-fi. Um, and then the artist is Jordan Boyd, who was actually a storyboard artist on Interstellar. Huh. Right? There you go. And the cover... the So the cover of Green Lantern Earth 1 shows uh, Hal Jordan wearing like a, an Interstellar-style space suit uh, with a Green Lantern ring. So obviously it's kind of like a, you know, it's it's retelling a sort of new type of origin of um, of Hal Jordan, but it looks to be, you know, a much more sort of grounded origin. Uh, and I don't know, the art looks fantastic so far, so I'm really excited for that. Cool. Did you ever read uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? I did. What'd you think of it? I, I read one. 
You read one. Yeah, we're 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 past the DC stuff now, so you can breathe. Okay. Um, I liked it. I thought it was great. Alan Moore, come on. Alan Moore. Uh, well, Alan Moore has uh, has climbed out out of his hobbit hole once more to announce something. I don't believe it. <laughs> uh, he says that uh, he and uh, his artist, uh, what's his artist's name? Something O'Neill, uh, Kevin O'Neill. Uh, they will publish the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Volume Four, and then both of them are going to retire. That's weird. Yeah, uh, Alan Moore has threatened retirement at least like four times at this point, so I don't necessarily yeah. believe it. Well, I don't necessarily believe that, but that's so weird that they would be like, you know what? Our last hurrah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Volume Four. <laughs> Why? It's it's Alan Moore's best known property. Yeah, I mean, best known for being a terrible movie adaptation. <laughs> best known for being Sean Connery's career killer. <laughs> I love it. I, 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 that that makes it better to me. The fact that they killed legendary actor Sean Connery metaphorically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just hasn't been the same since. Um, yeah. Oh, so I don't know. Funny. That'll that'll be fun. But uh, I I haven't read that much of it league of extraordinary gentlemen so i don't know yeah fair enough i mean it's it's worth reading it's fun to read but i mean if you're gonna go if you're gonna be like if you're gonna read alan moore stuff if you like if you read watchmen and v for vendetta and you're like what should i read next there's plenty of other ones ahead of that list yep that is uh that is a very accurate statement yep um hey you've heard of this little comic book called cal exit right i heard about it hell yeah uh, it is actually going to be our next, uh, or actually our, our inaugural uh, issue of the week for the new segment that Ooh. we are starting every week, uh, where we talk about an issue of a comic book. That's a fun yep. time. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, but Cal Exit, apparently, uh, it's, it's been a, a groundbreaking success for, for uh, the publisher Black Mask uh, and, and Matteo Pizzolo. Um, it's it's gotten coverage on you know in Time magazine in like every like CNN every big news outlet has actually covered and, and talked about Cal Exit, uh, which is really cool. I love seeing comic books uh, get news coverage in the mainstream. Uh, uh, I do too, and it's 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 so perfectly topical right now. It's pretty great. Yeah, like they, I mean, yeah, no other publisher well, the- other than Black Mask could have moved this fast on getting a, a book like this out there. Agreed. Um, well, the profits from Black Ma- like probably going to be Black Mask's most profitable book ever. Uh, all of those profits are going to be funding a new super PAC for the upcoming uh, midterm elections. Huh? Yeah. Really? Yep. Absolutely. Oh, cool. Uh, wow. This new super PAC is called Become the Government uh, to support first-time candidates from nonpartisan backgrounds in the twenty-eight mid twenty-eighteen midterm elections. Oh, well, good luck there. But cool. Hey, I mean, like, th- I mean, it's a it's a profitable book, and I I like to see people trying to break the uh, the two party lines. Yeah, um, no, totally. So that I mean, and that's that's awesome. Like for a publisher, and like you know, Black Mask, they're they're successful. All their books do well, uh, but they're not a a huge publisher. So any profit that they can get is is always beneficial. And this book may be their biggest book ever. And so for them to make that decision to say, you know what, all of the profits on our biggest book ever are going to go to a super PAC is kind of crazy. Yeah. So oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Mad, mad love and respect. Um, nice. 
Hey, you've heard there, there's a writer named uh, Zach Kaplan out there in the world. You've heard of him, right? I have. He was a uh, he was our first interview or inter- interview on this show. Uh, Zach Kaplan is known for uh, the comic book uh, Eclipse from Image Comics and Top Cow, uh, which is actually now being optioned for a TV show. Did you hear that? No, I didn't actually. Tell me about that. Uh, so Eclipse is is uh, being optioned for a TV show. That's all we really know right now, and that's not the, the news that I'm about to focus on. But that's pretty freaking cool, because Eclipse, I think, that would make su- an awesome TV show. Uh, I think so, too. It, 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 it's, it's, it's such an, it's such, it'd be such an easy transition. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, <laughs> it would be a very easy translation from comic to, uh, to TV. Um, but Zach Kaplan, uh, Eclipse was his debut comic and, uh, he's not slowing down because oh, he's on, he's on fire. He's on fire. Uh, he's got a new, uh, image comic coming out from Top Cow as well called Port of Earth. Uh, Aliens have landed, but they're not coming for you. They're coming to do business, is the uh, is the headline. Um, this series will be from writer Zach Kaplan and artist Andrea Moody. Uh, and the sort of logline for it is, what would happen if aliens came to Earth, not in war, nor peace, but with a business deal? Open yeah. up an alien spaceport here on Earth. Uh, when our alien visitors break port restrictions and wreak havoc in our cities... It falls to the newly formed Earth security agents to hunt down and safely deport the dangerous rogue aliens back to the port of Earth. Huh? Yeah. So like a little bit, a little bit Men in Blacky, a little, little bit, little bit Men in Blacky, a little bit uh, aliensy, a little bit, a uh, little bit, a uh, little bit of a lot of stuff. Yep. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah, I love it. And uh, and Andrea Moody, if you didn't know her name. Uh, Worked on a series that we are familiar with uh, here on, in the Savage Land, uh, Brian Woods Rebels. There you go. Hail full yeah, circle. Yeah, full circle. And that does it for our comic book news, man. That's 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 all I got. I'm tapped. I'm drained. I'm like a I'm like a Canadian maple tree after a long winter. Whoo boy. Um, what do you think? I don't know. Anything you're uh, particularly excited for? Particularly down on? Particularly anything? Yep. Um. There's another thing. Oh. Uh, that I, there's another thing. Do, do, do. I'm going to top. This is the thing I'm excited for. Uh, going back to Marvel. The Marvel Universe. I'm going to just read this little blurb here. The Marvel Universe is getting shakeups thanks to Legacy and a hidden team of Avengers in the year 1 million BC. <gasps> uh, so they're doing this. I don't know what it is. Just There's just like, there's like a couple little teasers. Like, I think they're just covers that they released. Of this like one million BC run series, I'm not exactly sure what's going on here, but there's going to be uh, the characters Black Panther, Iron Fist, Phoenix, Starbrand, and Agamotto. Uh, That's pretty fucking so cool. Uh, Odin, Ghost Rider. Uh, oh, go- isn't Ghost Rider like riding a uh, like a mammoth or some shit like that? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, so, and it, so, oh, so that's going to be Jason Aaron and, uh, Asad Ribic. Mm. And it's going to be a 50 page blockbuster one shot. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's going to be great. That's exciting to me. I like when people do stuff like that, where they're just like, here, we're going to take this one wacky idea and we're just going to make one solid little graphic novel out of it. 
Yeah, and not even—I mean, not even like a graphic novel. I mean, fifty pages. It's like a prestige format issue, basically. Right. Which those are fun. I like those. And I mean, fuck, dude, it's Jason Aaron and Assad Ribic. That's such a good team. Oh yeah. If they if if the rumors are true and they end up doing Avengers after Marvel Legacy, I'll buy the shit out of that book. That'll be the first Avengers oh. book that I've actually bought in years. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been rough for a bit. Yeah. Um, no, Mark Wade's Avengers was all right. I I did pick it up and read it. I I never bought it, but I read it like at the store, and and it was it was pretty fun. I like it. It's pretty good. Uh, no, that's the only other news thing I that that was on my plate that uh, we haven't mentioned yet. That sounds that's super exciting to me. Yeah. Um, I guess I should mention really quick. Uh, Warner Brothers is planning a a campaign uh for the Oscars for Wonder Woman. Uh, they are starting a big campaign apparently for Best Picture and Best Director for Patty Jenkins. Best Picture for Wonder Woman. Yep, they're campaigning. Good luck, guys. I yeah, I I don't know if it can get a <laughs> I, I don't know if it can get a Best Picture nomination. Uh. However, I don't even I don't know if they could even get a best director. I mean, yeah, it's a good movie, but it's not that good. <laughs> and Matt Matt lays it down hard. Yep. Trust me, guys, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I mean it's I think it would take it would take something above and beyond for a superhero movie to to take best picture. Yeah, it dude. would it would have to not follow a superhero's story. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because like, I don't know. I, I'd be, I'd be surprised. I mean, look, the Dark Knight is the closest it's ever come uh, to doing that. And I believe which nominations did it get? Let me. I'm gonna try and check. See what uh, nominations it got. Well, Ledger won for the Joker. Did he win? Yeah. I feel like we probably yeah. had this discussion on the on the show before, where I'm like, I don't know if he won, and you're like, No, he won, and no, I'm like, I don't think he yeah. won. Yeah, he did. He won. Okay. Uh, but I don't know what else it got, but I mean, other superhero stuff have gotten nods for special effects. They've given gotten nods for yeah. sound design and stuff like that. But for best picture, no way, no way. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not buying it. The, honestly, the only, the, the superhero story that I, that, that I think could have potentially gotten best picture if they would have made a good movie out of it. And if you like the movie, if they would have made a better movie out of it, would would have been the Watchmen. Yeah. And it still could. I mean, I, I, like if if Damon Lindelof does a good job on that Watchmen thing, I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if it got Emmy nominations. Sure. No. Totally. I mean, it's it's got the, it's it's big and bold and sort of meta enough that it doesn't you don't you don't it doesn't need to be like it's just not like a origin story or whatever. Yeah. It's not. There's no trash rings in the sky. Or <laughs> like that. Although there is a giant like a uh, uh, vagina squid in the sky in Watchmen. Well, there should have been in the movie. That's true. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Wait, hold on. At the end of Watchmen in the movie, was it just a giant explosion, or did there end up being a freaking sky beam with a trash ring around it? I don't remember. It might have been a sky beam with a trash ring, but it might have just been an explosion. Yeah. Stop with the trash rings and the sky beams. We get it. <laughs> Good lord, they can't fucking help themselves sometimes. Like, just stop, dude. I don't know. Like, what what was it? Avengers, you think, was the first one? Um, I think Avengers probably pushed it, yeah. But I don't know what the first one was. I'm like, sure there was first ones before Avengers. Yeah. It's just like, you, you, uh, 
ever since Avengers, you've had like Ghostbusters, Suicide Squad, freaking Man of Steel, uh, Batman v Superman, uh, um, fuck, uh, 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 Independence Day Resurgence. Like, it's freaking Fantastic Four. Uh, like, the list keeps going. I think, uh, didn't Apocalypse have a sky beam in a trash ring? Or is it just a trash ring? Apocalypse had metal rings all over everywhere for to just to, to represent gravitational waves. <laughs> so I, I I can give that one a pass. <sighs> it didn't uh, have one trash ring, Jason. It had a shitload of trash rings. <laughs> <laughs> it upped the ante. Yeah. Um okay, I, so I finally I finally found the uh the Oscar nominations that uh The Dark Knight received. Uh didn't get a nod for best picture. Uh, no. it, Heath Ledger did win for Best Supporting Actor and then it won for Best Sound Editing um, yeah. everything else was nominations uh, the highest were Art Direction and Cinematography Film Editing yeah. so yeah I, I, I don't think Wonder Woman's going to get a nod for, for Best uh, I don't think it'll get a nod for Best Picture and it would be tough for it to get a nod for Best Director because I mean shit if Christopher Nolan didn't for, for Dark Knight like I know that's tough <laughs> and and Christopher Nolan's Probably going to win for Dunkirk. I would hope. I mean, that guy, has he won an Oscar before? We're just going to follow this rabbit hole for a little bit. Oh, boy. Um, there's the thing, though. I, uh, yeah, I just I don't see I don't see Wonder Woman taking any any of those home. Like, you, you can't win an Oscar for making a lot of money, and you can't win an Oscar for, like, you know, cha- game-changing uh, superhero genre. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you can be, you can be, you can be, uh, we can all give you a pat on the back and tell you that we're extremely appreciative that you did, mm-hmm. but you're not, you're not going to win an Oscar for it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you there. Um, holy shit. Christopher Nolan has never even been nominated in any directorial category. Wow. That's surprising. Yeah. In 2001, he was nominated for best original screenplay for Memento. Uh, uh-huh. in 2010, Inception was nominated for best picture and best original screenplay. Uh, didn't win either. Um, yeah, dude. The only other time that he's been nominated in directorial categories was in like the the Critics Choice Awards, uh, and he was nominated for Best Director uh, at the Golden Globes for Inception. Huh. That's crazy, dude. I mean, like he's I don't know. That's that's a little nuts. I think Nolan is a much better director than he is a, a screenwriter personally. But huh, that's wow. that's a little you crazy. Just wait, you just wait. Yeah, I, Dunkirk. If any, if any of his movies would take it, then then probably Dunkirk. It's the least like science fiction uh, genre, exactly. Type and thing. I think that's a, I think that's a big part of that. Yes, I think science fiction. Science fiction inherently is at a, a, a is at a, a disadvantage when it comes to any of that stuff. No matter how good your movie is, um, but you make a World War Two movie. Woo! Yeah, absolutely. I think. Yeah, I mean it's it's been proven time and time again that uh war movies, especially World War II movies, they they get nominated. Um yeah, I yeah, I think that it's it's even even the fact that Inception was nominated for best picture uh is pretty crazy for especially for that year, dude. That was the same year as Black Swan, The Fighter, uh The Social Network, True Grit, The King's Speech, like I mean that was a good year for for films. So, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, uh, where can they find us online? Uh, they can go to Facebook and they can go to Instagram and they could search Savage Land Podcast and we pop up. They could go to Twitter and they could type in Savage Land Pod and we would pop up. 
they could go to iTunes, do a search for Savage Land Podcast. We would pop up, and then they could also take the extra couple seconds and leave us a review, and maybe a rating, probably, preferably both. Hell yeah, both. Uh, uh, we thrive we on those love. ratings. We really do, and it's fun to read them. And if you make it, like, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I will read anything you write. <laughs> Period. No, In a Sean will, Connery there's voice. Nothing, there's... There's only a handful of things I might shy away from, and that's derogatory language and racist or sexist things. Otherwise, try me. <laughs> you heard it here. Uh, Challenged, Matt. You heard it here. Um, also, you can uh, you can you can you can send us uh, your thoughts, your feelings, your uh, your your uh, your whatever you want at uh, letters at savagelandpodcast dot com. And if you're really feeling crazy. Uh, you can you can leave us a voicemail at four one three savage four. Ah man, yeah, I almost had it. <laughs> I, I thought it was four one five savage. Ah, uh, no, it's four one three Nebraska for some reason. Oh, weird. It was the only yeah, area code that I could find the word savage uh, that was available. Oh, nice. That's funny. Um, yeah, and then also uh, the the last thing I'll say is we do, as we said on the last episode, we do have an Amazon banner now uh, on our website. So if you go to savagelandpodcast.com or thatmightbecool.com, doesn't matter. It leads you to the same place. There's an Amazon banner at the top. Uh, next time you want to do some Amazon shopping, we would greatly appreciate it if you would go to our website first and click that banner uh, because you can do all of your shopping just like normal. Uh, you can even do it on the mobile phone. Um, do all your shopping just like normal. Prices don't change. But Amazon gives a little bit of their profits off of whatever you buy to us. And that is, you know, it's, it's an easy way to support the show without having to spend anything extra. Yes. Um, and uh, another reminder, uh, for next week, we're going to be talking about Cal Exit. That's yep. going to be our, uh, our our first weekly comic book of the week. That's week. our Yeah, it's our, our comic book of the week is Cal Exit, and uh, that will also sort of play into our topic next week, which is, again, Matt? Politics and comics. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> um yeah we're we gonna get political although well no wait next i week, don't think i don't I, I might i might not get uh personally political but i will talk about po- comics that have gotten political hell yeah totes 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 my goats um we also have becky clunan uh coming up pretty soon uh tim seeley in the pipe as well and a couple other people uh so if you send any questions uh that you want us to ask them you can send them to letters at savagelandpodcast.com like we said and I'm going to try a new exit message here, Matt. I'm going to try a new exit message. We hope you've enjoyed your stay in the Savage Land. Oh, boy. 